I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain. But choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for newborn, sensitive, and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. In this episode, we have a much needed conversation about raising our children without racism with the Caribbean dub, Santis O'Garo. Born in Montserrat, Santis moved to Ireland when she was a young child in the 90s and here shares her experience of being black in Ireland. Now in her 30s and raising two children as a single parent in Dublin, Santis is a role model of strength, courage, compassion and empowerment as she speaks openly about the value of raising our kids in a world without racism, about how she took control over her life and her happiness, about how she addressed her mental health challenges and financial security by becoming debt-free. Santis' honest experience is essential listening. Ending discrimination starts in our homes and in the intentions, actions and beliefs of parents. Our children are watching and so at Every Mum we are committed to doing our best to listen, to educate ourselves to share more diverse experiences of motherhood and to raise without racism. Santos, thank you so much for joining me on Every Moon the Podcast this week. Um, it's so wonderful to see you, and sadly, over Zoom and not in real person, <laughs> but we are still abiding by the social distancing guidelines. Um, how are you feeling? Yes, we are. Um, I'm feeling really good. Um really positive towards the end of a pretty tough week um yeah so I'm, I'm starting to see a positive light at the end of the uh, end of the tunnel you know so um yeah feeling really good the kids are in bed that's all that <laughs> yeah that's an important one um as you said it has been a tough probably few weeks now um yeah a tough few weeks after a, t- a very strange and tough few months but yeah for the black community, it has been yeah. an enormously emotional couple of months. And I think for yeah. every race across the world, a time where we've genuinely all had to just stop and stop. listen. Yeah. Yes, I feel like um, I was describing it to somebody else, um, my friend, and I was saying, I feel like, I'm grieving an aftermath and in the process of grieving George Floyd as well, because it's an aftermath of trauma. You know, a lot of things are coming up that I probably have kept hidden 
with my myself, you know, and and I'm grieving somebody that I've seen that's died that I'll never I never would have had a chance to meet, but I understood his pain because I've been through it myself. And I think that's that's the week that's been in it. I've gone through everything, anger, fear. And now I think I feel just a little bit more empowered at the end of it now, at the end of the last two weeks now. Yeah, pretty empowered. Um, yeah. There are things that happen in the world that often go unnoticed or unseen yeah. or people don't get affected by it. This, his death and the last two weeks have been an incredibly powerful few weeks where it has raised and triggered so many emotions in all in, in everybody you know whether yeah. it's questioning your your own beliefs or things that you might have said or done in the past um how are you feeling more positive that this is going to bring positive change yes. how we all love and care for each other a hundred percent um if I'm really honest, I have not received any feedback that's been negative to the way, to anything I've conveyed or anything my friends have conveyed. So you have to be positive about that. Um, just remarkable kindness. And that's the honest truth. I've just experienced an outpouring of kindness and it's actually shocked me. And if I knew that, it would have been like that. I would have probably spoken out, but I feel like in a weird way, it was all meant to happen now. You know, the world stopped. We were breathing again. We were appreciating the good and we were almost thinking, wow, isn't this great? And then there was a reality that hit everybody and me included that you had to really look up or start speaking or maybe you, you like you said you maybe you're partake or partook in something or maybe you've said something wrong and now is the time to stop and really just check ourselves and and see where to go from here which i i, I could see it's going to be very positive really positive as a mother raising two children in ireland yeah um yeah. and actually as a mother anywhere in the world I think one of the things that has affected a lot of women particularly is in that moment where George Floyd called out for his mama. Yes. And that has been a call to action. Yeah. To so many other women, regardless of race, regardless of anything else, that is a moment where you know that could be my yeah. baby. Yes. Isn't that weird? I thought like I was the only one that when I heard him saying mama, like when he's calling his mom, I was like, oh my God, no. And I started almost speaking back to him in the phone, you know, and, and I, I was speaking, I was like, get off him. Get, I felt, I felt it could have been my baby. And if it was my baby or it's somebody's baby. And I think that's where the, the motherhood thing kicks in because you're feeling for his mom. Oh, you're feeling for, you know, you're feeling for every mom that could be going through that. It makes you really think, you know. But I felt that, that my motherhood, um, it kicked in, mother nature, everything. Everything was just the force was there. And I feel that was part of it. 
I feel that was part of the change we're going through now because there's no one tougher than a mammy. There's no, and no one more protective and no, no one. Yeah. Who wants only like if they see their child having something done to them. Yeah. They will do anything to change the course of those actions. Yeah. And they don't rest. <laughs> no. No, we don't. <laughs> Until it's done. <laughs> 100%. So that's what I, I felt. Um, I felt really, God, I'm, you're very protective. I felt very protective. And then I felt when he passed, then I almost felt like I lost, you know, because I got so emotional. And then in the meantime, watching it, my son came in and he was asking me, were you okay? And he was, say, he was saying he's kind. And I, I started getting very upset then because I was looking at my son and just thinking something has to change because this could never be him, you know? This could never be my Louis ever. So that's how, that's, that's how it touched me really. Um, and I, like you said, all mothers. Yeah, there are too many innocent little boys and girls that need to grow yeah. up in a world where we know that they will be protected. Yeah. Regardless of anyone's prejudices. Yes, 100%. How have you explained or have you explained everything that's going on to your kids? I know they're quite young I, still. I haven't because um, the only inkling that Louis has gotten of that is when he saw me crying. And I just said, he basically asked me, why are you crying? And I said, people aren't, I don't like when people aren't kind to each other. And then he basically said, we're kind, you know? And like, that broke my heart, it really did. Um, it took me a good few days to actually just get over that line. You know, me and Eliza are kind, aren't we, mommy? Come on. And that's, that, that's a scary thing because you kind of realize it won't matter. I feel like something is gonna happen in the world where they're gonna actually come to me. And I, I'd like to put that off as much as I possibly can, you know, mm. keep as their a, innocence. As a child growing up in Ireland, yeah, from the Caribbean, did your parents yeah. talk to you about um, My mom, see, because my dad is white, and my mom is black, so that was kind of weird. And he's my stepdad, but he's my dad. But um, they. I just saw so much love with the two of them that I never, I never really questioned, you know, I never really questioned a lot of things. I never thought, we never really sat down and had that conversation where, okay, well, you know, my brother came in once and he had an incident and my dad basically said, you have, you're going to have to stand up for yourself. You know, it's going to be a tough world out there, but we're settling, you're settling to a new community. And he's, he's the class bully. And it was kind of tough. I thought it was tough at the time. But the next day when the lad went at him or whatever, it was a different story because he got that pep talk to say, you stand up for him, you don't back down. And in a way, in a weird way, he's always said that to me. And my mom has always said to me, without saying it's because you're black, she's always said, you know, when you're going out and you have all your friends, you carry yourself in a certain way, always. 
you don't do this, you don't, there's a list of things that she was very like, you don't do, because if anybody's looking, you're the one person that'll stand out. Because when I was, when we, when we arrived, there wasn't a lot of black people. So it would have been me, I've been the only one. And she was very conscious of that. And now it actually made sense that she actually said it to me the other day. You see why I always tell you, you thought I was crazy. Because I used to think, oh, why are you just trying to make me just, nobody else is saying this. Why can't you just let me go out, my friends? And just kind of just relax, you know? But she was like, you can, but you have to carry yourself in a certain way, always. Which is probably good in any light. Every girl should be told that anyway, you know? Tell us more about how they met. Um, they, my mom was, um, she was a tiler. So she was tiling in the house and my dad was a car was is a car is a carpenter and there was a hurricane in Montserrat and he came over and they were building houses and stuff. So my mom was the tiler in the houses and they kind of just hit it off from then and then next minute um we were told that we had to go to Ireland after they were dating a good few years, like four years, and then he had to go back. And then I think maybe now as an adult, I'm thinking there was a toss of like, oh, what do we do? And that's what he did. He moved, everybody moved. My mom and dad, they moved first to buy a house and everything. And then we came over after. But I didn't want to come. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, well, firstly, was it a, I mean, it's a big decision to make. Yeah. Um, And how did your mom feel about moving and moving her kids to such a different culture? Um, she just thought like education wise and thing, I think maybe she might have thought that we were gonna always go back. Um, I don't know. I don't know if she thought it true, like long-term. She just thought that like with education and stuff, it would have been better for us to be, you know. Um, she just thought maybe we were gonna get a better life, but sometimes I'm looking and I'm thinking, I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> <Her being laughs> I didn't wanna go. I, I was actually happy just running around wild. I was happy with my life the way it was. And she told me we had a choice, but we didn't. <laughs> like, I remember she was like, I want to sit down and we're going to all talk about this. And whatever your decisions is, I'm going to respect it. <laughs> obviously, she wasn't going to leave her 10-year-old daughter <laughs> or a nine-year-old or whatever it is. But I was like, I don't want to go. you got to change your mind. But um. Just, I was just happy with my life the way it was, you know. And what was so, it like? What were your earliest memories of being here? When I came, mm. oh Jesus, oh, this one. I think um, we live in North Dublin. So the houses are like corporation houses where they're like, you know. So I thought that was in the Caribbean, if you have a house, you have land around your house. So I thought when we came, like the, I was like, you've got a mansion here. Not that much of a garden, but you have a mansion here. And I was like, so that's my door going in. I thought like all the different doors were our rooms, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was like, she was like, no, 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 no. You have the box room up there now, girl. Get in there. <laughs> so I was like, can we not even go around? It was just the back and the front. That's it. That's it. So that was, that was a little bit hard for me because, we were essentially wild, um, wild kids, you know. In Montserrat, um, 
oh, you had how many people are there? 10,000 people. So wow. it was that small. So you could go down to the river, you could go fishing, you could go picking mangoes, you could do whatever you want. And no one, everybody knew you, but no one really cared. You know, the crime rate wasn't crazy or, you know, no one really cared. If you did something wrong, obviously, your mom was going to know. Growing up here, other than your mom's advice, how, yeah. did, did you experience as a child or as a teen or at what point in your life did you start really noticing I'm, I'm different and I'm being treated differently? Um, I knew it was, I noticed it um, straight away because I'd be the kid that would be skipping. I would have been like my friend, my best friend always says when she saw me first, she saw me skipping up the road. I wouldn't have been conscious I was skipping up the road. You're just happy. I would yeah, I wouldn't have known that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go over, I would talk to these people that I'm friends with now and they're a couple of years older. It would have been I would have been in primary school talking to secondary school kids going going to school, you know. Just because I just saw them and I just wanted to talk and I would just go over to them and talk about anything. Oh, you walk into school, can I walk with you? And that wouldn't be a problem for me to do that. But the longer I stayed and the longer we kind of um integrated that change because you realize that some people just didn't want to talk to you and there was a reason why they didn't want to talk to you. And then you'd get you become self-conscious and then that that girl obviously I was growing up anyway but I think that that little girl was snapped out of it pretty quickly mm-hmm. um then it was how I talked so my granddad god bless us all um he was really traumatized I keep saying that word lately I don't know why because different levels isn't it um he was really saddened by the fact that our accents um kind of disappeared um in our teenage years but that was the case of trying to fit in it was everybody was like talk like cool runnings and it was almost like you were uh in a circus sometimes you know Mm. and even though people didn't realize and it was their curiosity but it was like why do you need me to talk like that so badly and you're making me self-conscious of myself and I became very self-conscious then for a good good few years I was pretty um an angry teenager for that reason you know for those reasons that I just felt I couldn't be myself and when I was myself it wasn't kind of good enough and then you know and you're trying to fit in as well and you're going through those te- the hormones are raging and everything and then you'd get somebody on top of it all just would drive by and call you a, a, the n-word or something like that and kind of like Jesus have enough of me place <laughs> you know and yeah that would make me go right in right into me shell um and I never I don't think I I miss I kind of feel like that girl is coming back in a bit like I would have normally I would have never normally say oh I could do a podcast or um oh I can do this or I can do that but now I'm for kind of feeling the right people around me that actually just like me being they want to see that person. They want to see you happy. They want to see you bubbly again, you know. And they're almost fighting for that for you. And I feel like I'm just getting more confident and just saying, yeah, sure, why not? Because that's really I'm connected with who I really was, really am, you know. So you were silencing her down because you were so afraid yeah. that 
of what yeah. others would think of her or how would yeah. they treat her. So it was a protective force yeah. field. Oh, I have a wall, like huge. I could, that wall comes up like literally like that, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's really sad when I look at it now because I have children and I wouldn't want my daughter. I'd be very, always, I'll, I know I'll always be looking because my children are Billy Barry kids, really. They're not really in Billy Barry, but they're like those kids. If you saw you, they'd be like, hi, hi. And they'd make the toughest person say hi back, you know, and then get me to say hi to them as well. Yeah. Like I'm rude. So um, I'd be very conscious of that to see that leave them, you know, because I think I'd understand. I watched the video that you put up during the week of your yeah. experience of uh, real racial, you know, attacks and bullying. Um, yeah. And particularly that experience that you said of, you know, grown adults just driving by you and shouting racial insults yeah. at you. Yeah. How, how frequently would that have happened? Um, God, I got it with people sitting on the bus, shouting out a bus at me. I've got it with cars. Um, I've got it with people just walking by me, like grown men and just saying it. Um, like obviously I wouldn't know them. I've got it like a lot. Like that video I did, I literally didn't even talk about. If I was to go into it, I probably would have been. I, I would. I don't even want to go into it because I don't see how it would make anything better for me, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot. There was a. It's too much to count, really. And it, sometimes for, I kind of made a joke out of it one day where I was like, is this the same guy? <laughs> that is literally, because that actually, I could cope with that. It's just that one person, you know, um, who's bust that this day, who's cycling, who's, I don't know. I don't see why you would say that to a child. And then I just think that's the thing. It's dehumanizing. You see, people see black as not even a person. You can't even understand that that's a child. Mm. They just see the color, and the color gives them an excuse to be nasty. And it's, it's, I, I can't understand it. I, I, I've had a lot of time throughout my life thinking about this and thinking, how did it get so bad that this is the way someone thinks about someone they don't know, you know? It's heartbreaking, really, when you think about it. It's, it's terribly heartbreaking. And I'm so, I'm, and I, I totally appreciate that it's so difficult. And I think that by you sharing it, it has forced anyone who doubts that it exists or that it happens to hear the truth that yeah. it does exist it yeah. does happen it yeah. is in ireland it was towards a young child a girl who's happy and just playing with friends yeah. um, and i think that like we need to know that we need to hear that we we can't live assuming that everyone's experience is the same it's as the same. you know because it's not and that's not a healthy way to think. It really no. isn't anyway. So I, I want to, I want to personally, I want to really thank you for sharing that video. And I appreciate thank you. that it's been very difficult. No problem. 
that's why I couldn't do it on my own. <laughs> couldn't have done it on my own, you know. Um, yes, um, you had your I, I, I never understand. Yeah, she she's been really strong through my whole um, my whole life, really, minus ten years. Um, if she's there, people almost know, and she's so small. Like people almost know though that okay, we won't say anything, you know. Where before I would be, I would take up for someone else, but I always find it difficult to do it for myself. And she always says the same thing about herself as well. It's easier to pick up for someone. I think maybe that's the attitude that we should all have, be accountable for someone else, you know. I really think that, um, yeah. But the fear of, of racism, racism ignites so much fear in people and my mom would tell you that she, she, we've never spoken about that since that video that we have, that we'd say, um, we assess the situation, always assessing. And women do that to a certain point, you know, women do that. Oh, if it's a dark night, and you're coming home, you're going to be a little bit more aware, but I'm literally like that in every situation I kind of go to. I'm kind of like, okay. If I meet someone I really like, I'm like, oh God, don't disappoint me. You know, you're waiting for that almost because it's happened so many times. But that's why I think this the change will happen because people are saying, well, I actually didn't realize that. Or maybe I have said something and that's okay if you had said something. I'm, I don't feel like, you know, if you use, if you're growing up in a culture where it's just normal to say certain things and, you know, casually saying things and it's all a joke and no one's ever pulled you up on it. How would you ever know? But the fact that people are saying now, you know what? Okay, I see what you're saying. I wouldn't like that if that was turned on me. I never looked at it that way. I'll do better. I'll research this. I'll see this is actually really powerful what I'm reading about now. And you're, it means that like what black people as such, I've been talking about, isn't just a moan. We're not just moaning about something. It's something that's real, that's happening every day. So kudos to anybody who says, put their hands up and said, look, I'm willing to learn. It's not about going back on your word or going back on who you are. That's gross, you know? It really is. And I think it's like to know that it's not just a problem that is affecting different parts of the world. And obviously there are huge escalations of problems in parts of the world, but there is, there is still work to be done everywhere. Yeah. Um, 100%. And I've had, a, as I'm, as I'm trying to educate myself more and as I'm trying to, to listen more and to, to acknowledge the problem more. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about the role of family and the role of our children and the role of it starting with us and like raising little humans to love all other little humans yeah um, you know like that's where it should begin that our kids don't know how to even hate they can't understand it yeah that yeah. by the time the world is opening up to them um they've had such a foundation 
of respect and dignity and kindness and justice and using their voice for what's right. Um, yeah. They're, they're like things that we need to teach sometimes more than the alphabet and yeah. numbers. And, but I think that there's, there's a gap. I even feel it. I'm like, I want to be that mom. But I don't even know. Yeah, how. <laughs> I I think um, we've heard the protests all over the world. We've heard the protests in Ireland. I think now that's that's where you have you even have a platform here where you can do this. You know, you get the groups and you get the moms having a conversation with different moms, not just black people. You know. It could be somebody in the LGBT community who has children. You know, there's so much there that we could be integrated. A mom is a mom. And all we want is our kids to be, we only get a short timeline, I think, to really nurture and educate our children. And it's getting shorter and shorter. And I think the more we learn, the more we integrate with other moms and the way they do things and learn, like you just, I feel like we learn so much and don't be ignorant to it. You know, people, half of racism is ignorance, you know? So I think that that's, there's, there's an idea, like that's something I've been even thinking about just to say, you know what, it'd be cool that if my children just met, I don't have any, I think one of two of my neighbors, they have kids and they're a couple, they're um, a gay couple. And I, I've been wanting to just go over and just talk. I don't want them to think that. I've been thinking about it for the last year. I always see them out walking. And I just really want my children to see that as normal. I want my kids to think that really, you know, even about black kids and stuff, you know. Just don't think like, oh, all black people are heroes either. But just a skin, a skin color. Like, don't go the, I'm like, I'm afraid it goes the other way where it's just weird then, you know. Yeah, people are like yeah. overcompensating just teach your kids just to be cool and be respectful to themselves more than anything you know and, and I think they, that's what my mom taught me we're raising them by example like they're watching us yes. know yeah. what's acceptable or normal or yeah. good or bad they're looking to our reactions to feel safe 100%. so seeing them seeing us interact with people of and as you said like it's not just about color it's about diversity in general yeah without yeah. judgment without fear without shame without any of those things just being normal and having relationships with people based on how they treat us yes 100 percent, 100 percent. i think it's learned at home and you don't have to be actively teaching them or pointing things out it's just the way you behave you realize I know my sister, my mom had um, um, a gay friend and she was so close with him. And it took my sister until she was, I think, seven to say, how come so-and-so always comes with him? They're always together. You know, like she started asking, but that was just normal. She's literally pro everything now because she is seeing love and she's, she's seeing that firsthand. So she can't think any other way. You know, she's seen the positive. She's she had that relationship, so she's gonna defend. You know, she's gonna defend that. 
The other way that you're behaving as such a strong role model to your children is by really taking control of your financial freedom. Um, yeah. And, you know, so tell us more basically about what has led you to this sort of path in terms of your, you know, tackling your debt. Um, do you know what? Um, I became single um, with the two kids and I was spending like I wasn't. Um, like there was still two incomes, you know, and it was just bad habits. I always had bad habits with money and I think they kind of overcompensated for a lot. I kind of covered it up because I thought if you saw me driving this car, then people would be more respectful or whatever, or I'll feel better myself. And I'd go and get a lot, like a, oh, Jesus, a lot of loans and credit cards and overdrafts. And I just wouldn't care if I was having a bad day. I just go on a high and you see me walking down the high street with all the bags and I feel chuffed at myself until the next day. Uh, I open my wardrobe and I realize there's more tags than underclothes than there is tags off. And um, it came to a head in 2018. My granddad passed and he was, I was so close with him. You know, he was like one of my best friends. And just very lost and then I was off work and because I had the children back to back um my savings were gone I have basically had no savings anyway but my savings were gone couldn't really pay back the credit union um credit card max behind on my mortgage behind on everything and I was just in meltdown mode it was firefighting for the I think from March to September that year, 2018. And then I I just decided then um, in the December, it was just carrying on. So in the December with the stress that was going, I kind of had a breakdown in like stress induced because I couldn't sleep. I, and I already had a young baby, two young babies. I couldn't sleep because I was just up thinking like if I took that from that, I'd be able to get up to date with everything and it wasn't by that time from the september i probably had paid off maybe three thousand by just hardcore it's back in work by that time but i still was behind so much um it wasn't really catching up it was too far gone kind of and um i had a i had a bit of a breakdown and i wouldn't be one to go and tell my mom or anything and ask for help so they wouldn't know and um I basically spoke to my boss and she was like, okay, you need to, you need to sort this out. The doctor said that I had anxiety. Um, it was, so that was another case. And then my mom and dad, they were notified and it was really humiliating because I was like 34. And I said, okay, I sat down and said, what are we going to do here? We're going to have to do something. And I basically, I went onto YouTube and I typed in, how do I get out of debt quick? And there was this lady and she was a mom and she was literally saying, okay, this is what you do. You need to get an emergency fund. And I was like, no, you don't. You need to pay off the debt. But she, she's like, this is the way you do it. Get a little emergency fund first. And then we're going to tackle every debt from the smallest to the biggest. And we're literally going to go snowball. So you, you pay all the other debts, the minimum payments. But one, the smallest debt, you literally focus on that. And you literally 
it's called the snowball effect. You find yourself finding more money to go towards that. I don't know where I was getting. I was doing, um, I was online doing surveys. It didn't even matter. I was like, can I do an extra hour in work? You know, little things like that, literally trying to push myself. Um, cut back on my shopping. I literally was doing anything it took. And I was putting, then it meant I was paying maybe 150 towards that. So it's find the extra 150. Then I became, I got into the habit of just paying 150. Then it was 175. Then I was like, okay, I'm nearly done. I need to throw everything on this. And the budgeting started coming into it. And I started getting really savvy with my money. And then you pay off that one. So you have an extra 100 euro going towards the next step that you had, the next one up the ladder. And it kind of went like that. And I paid off 15,000 in a year literally by going going that hard by being obsessed <laughs> I have to say um totally obsessed and what I learned is I ended up going on Instagram and there was a debt-free community there's an Irish debt-free community there's people that you don't even know because what I've realized is there's there was there's lawyers in this you know there's footballers there's like crazy it's like you know ex-football people that you think have everything sorted out and they don't it's just when you don't manage your money it, it's stress it's stress inducing like it's stress it brings on a lot of stress so like anything like that that's one of the last taboos that we don't really talk about mm. you know we don't no one talks about money and it's stupid in a way and I've asked myself why we don't I think you know? women as well especially don't um we just don't, we don't definitely don't talk about it and we definitely don't yeah. empower ourselves enough to take control about, oh. yeah, and educating ourselves or like, and I know I'm guilty of that too when it comes to yeah. household finance things, I to, like I totally just say, you're, you're going to take care of that, aren't you? So, and not from a payment <laughs> perspective, but from an education yeah. perspective. You know, yeah. you, you figure out the best rate for that and I'll I'll just sign. That's not good enough. Like I, I need to It's not good enough. It's not good enough. I need to take more of yeah. a, an in not an interest. Interest is the wrong word. Just know, just know how to go about it. If you need to, then you'll know how to go about it, you know. Yeah. And it, I and I'm it, especially it's a tool to have. It's a good, you know, it's a good tool to have to know how to budget. Motherhood advice, like I'm one piece of advice my mom always gave me was more like make sure that you're always financially independent you know yeah. be in a relationship be in a marriage yeah. be a mother but ha have your financial independence as much as you can because that's so important to how you feel and the decisions you can make I like your mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like her. <laughs> I think that's that's a hundred percent true. Um, I feel by doing this, like for me, it was like okay, paying off my debt is something I had to do anyway. So, but I didn't expect the empowerment. I'm a different person than I was at the start of this. I mean, I feel invincible, you know. Um, just in the sense that. Yeah, things are going to happen, but I'm going to be able to handle it. Mm. I'm always, I can do this now. I can do, I can do this. And it makes parenthood, like I don't have to double think with my children. Um, I don't spoil them. 
but I don't have to go, oh my God, I can't afford that. Or look, it's Louis's birthday and he really wants this, you know. I don't have to, because I always have a plan there to say, okay, it's Louis's birthday, we have a budget. Have money put aside there for him. So I'm not panicking last minute. And that reduces stress. It really does. As a mom, you know, it really does reduce stress. I think it's, um, it's really, it's really important, but, um, I've met some really cool moms, really cool Irish moms, um, a lot of mammies in the deaf free community and they're trying to regain control of their, um, debt. And what's happening is their side hustles are starting to become businesses. So how empowering is that? Like you just decided, oh, I'm going to make cake for my neighbors. And now everybody's demanding cakes off you. And before you know it, you have a cake business. You know, they are going in with your fancy suit and you're presenting to somebody in, into um, the local enterprise center to get a grant, you know. But you only started out making cakes so you could pay your debts. So that side of it, I really love. I I get a high out of it, to be honest with you. I love seeing people go, I paid this. Um, I'm watching the numbers coming down every week for other people because I'm debt free now. So um, it's just really helping people and making them know that there's no shame in it. I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because of the other thing that we've learned over the last few months where financial stability was literally whipped away from people through no fault yeah. of their own. You know, yeah. like life can throw things at you that is not fair and you don't see it coming yeah but it can send people into that re like under that pressure of financial stress that you just described yes um that's one thing that we've been talking about um in the debt-free community a lot and if you listen to this hashtag irish debt-free community if you are in need you know because it's so important um it really is and there's so many people that come really they're really stressed you know really really stressed and really in dire straits and i'd be very like like my account is so small but i i literally have to limit the amount of times i spend messaging people because people are literally on me and they feel because i've done it i'm not a mad money or anything like that because I've done it, they can do it. And I take that personally, to be honest with you. And I feel like they're my children. <laughs> Grown women are my children. Because you see them coming back. You know what I did? And I did this tip with the shopping. And this is, and now look, I actually saved 50 euro this week in my shopping. You know, and it's just little things that they didn't know. And it's like, okay, it does work, doesn't it? And everybody's shuffed and everybody's winning. So that's why um, I love it. I love it. It's like the mammy's club, really, um, in some ways. You're such an inspiration and such a powerful role model for your kids and for so many other women who are in this position where they do feel out of control or, you yeah. know, as a single parent of two, like two very, your, your children are three and two years old. Yeah. You still have time to support other mothers and women and other people going through that debt-free community um and sharing your experience of growing up in ireland um you've done incredible things in a really powerful way over the last you know definitely the last couple of weeks but certainly over the last couple of years in supporting 
so many people through their debt crisis as well. And I just, you're just astounding. And I really want to thank I don't you think I, I am. <laughs> I don't even think I am. <laughs> like, a few people have said that's very, um, I'm not good at taking compliments. That's very Irish, um, I'm told. I'm not very good at that. So a lot of my friends say, oh, you are more Irish now. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> before I used to be like, thank you. <laughs> be that little girl again. Be that happy yes. girl skipping down yeah. the road. No, I like to see people winning. And I think in a world where there could be so much unkindness, it just, it makes me feel better to be kind and just to be nice. And that's a genuine thing. That's something I'll never change in myself. Um, never, ever. Good. Ever. Don't. <laughs> That's a promise. Santos, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I'm, I'm, I've loved it. I've loved every second and I've taken so much from our conversation and I hope everyone listening has as well. So I just want to say thank you. Thanks, Sinead. No problem. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'd love you to rate and leave a review. Share this episode across social. Get in touch with this week's wonderful guest at the Caribbean Dub on Instagram and subscribe to join us next week for more. Water wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.